0: You want to find your tribe of raving fans, and that's just what we're here to help you do. This is the Tactical Titans podcast by Justin Lamb of the Tactical Program, where we help entrepreneurs build better businesses by not only sharing insights and candid conversations, but by nurturing our minds as well. Get ready to build, automate, and scale your business, because here we go. Here's your host, Chief Strategist of 360 Media and educator at tacticalprogram.com, Justin Lamb.
1: Hey, Tactical Titans, this is another episode of Tactical Titans podcast, where I help business owners build better businesses. And today I am being joined by founders of tap Donovan and Aaron. Uh, they have a cool new product that's coming out to market. And it was really neat. I, I got to you know, be connected t- uh, to them by one of our social media team. And I think it was really important. I think people nowadays, especially in the COVID economy, are looking to create something bring something to market um, because they're stuck at home and you know the CRB just finished out here in in Canada and and, and so nobody's getting the free paychecks anymore and now now they got to do real work so you know I'm super excited to to learn more about that process and about bringing a product from concept to uh, to market uh, so thank you so much for joining me here today, Donovan and Aaron.
2: yeah happy to be here.
1: yeah, thank you. So, first off, I think maybe why don't you tell me a little bit or tell our listeners what Seltzer Tap is?
3: So, uh, Seltzer Tap allows mm-hmm. you to have sparkling, chilled, sparkling water come from your tap, it, it, is
2: your kitchen faucet.
1: Yeah. Cool. And so, where did the idea or the, the, the inspiration come from?
2: Yeah, maybe I can take that one. So uh, just uh, just under two years ago, we had a, uh, our first child. We had a little baby boy, Hunter, and he was um, amazing, of course, uh, but he was also exhausting for me, for us. And uh, it was just hard in those first few weeks navigating new parenthood and um, trying to also take care of ourselves and believe it or not, we're huge soda water fans. And I stopped having the energy, the desire to actually, we had one of those above counter pumping soda makers. And I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I was like, okay, I still want my soda water. I do not feel like going through that process of making this like jug of soda water. So I started buying the cans in these big flats and I started buying them from the grocery store and I was lugging them home from the grocery store. And we always drink so much soda water that we'd go through them and all of this like recycling waste was piling up. And Donovan just finally said to me like, "Aaron, what is going on? Like, why are we suddenly buying these? and I just explained, I'm like, I'm just way too beat to make soda water. And uh, Darwin was like, first of all, thinking probably like, that's really weird. (laughs) But, uh, but then he was like, well, maybe I have an idea here.
3: Yeah, so my background is, is engineering. And I'd actually been in a trade show in Germany Mm -hmm. years ago. And it, it's actually a, a product that's readily available in, in Europe and much more popular in Europe. And so I started looking at, you know, the market in North America and, and really how I could bring this product to Canada. So that's sort of how the, the journey started.
2: So that was the straight from your tap soda water um, in a really beautifully designed um, structure in our, in our sink. And so it was really just for us this was this started where we just wanted it in our home. And uh, it was interesting uh, watching Donovan work through the process of finding us what like the right thing that he wanted, his the vision he had for our home, and then watching him try and like, build it from all of these various pieces from all of these, he was getting all of this stuff from various countries and and trying to put it together and and uh, just watching how much work that was for him. And I think that's probably when you realized you had a bit of an idea there for uh, helping others make it somewhat seamless.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the process for me doing it was quite um, challenging. And so how do I make, how do I bring it to North America, make it seamless, make it easy to purchase, make it easy to install, um, and, and make it beautiful too, right? Like make it something that you really want to have in your, in your kitchen.
1: That's interesting. So, you know, by, by it's very competitive nature, I mean, soda stream is one of the, the big components or big sort of players in this, in this field. Um, but they're the countertop version, right? Like that's the pump, um, you know, that's having the CO2 canisters, you know, being installed into it. And, and what I can imagine, and, you know, uh, people who, you know, used to have purified water systems, you know, had these big clunky machines that, you know, you know, had water or had tubes that go up into their faucets, um, you know, and so I'm going to guess that you had to marry sort of like the the combination of, you know, how do I deliver CO2 into my water without having this god-awful ugly looking thing on my sink and or counter space, right? Is that, is that, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, so it's
3: all the, there's a machine under your your um, sink that um, the CO two goes into and and carbonates the water, and then that runs up into your um, into your faucet tap.
1: Oh, that's pretty
3: cool. We actually
2: we actually have little names for them. So Seltza is our company, and Seltza Tap is the faucet, and then we have Seltza Hub, and that's the under sink carbonator. With whatever CO2 you anybody purchases or chooses to have, so you can have really small, uh, like one pound CO2s that you can just buy at any old uh, drugstore, or you can have like we do a 20 pound CO2, um, which uh, lasts us a long time. We're huge soda water drinkers, so that's what works for us.
1: Well, I was thinking that you were going to say that last you about a week, and then and, and then, then I would truly believe that you were sort of water drinker. Uh, so, so the challenges. Okay, so let's talk about challenges. I, I'm imagining that you know because the the product sort of semi exists in in the European space. You know, what type of things did you have to consider or or hurdles did you have to overcome uh, to to get that from Europe to here, or at least the components so that you can build from that point on. what type of hurdles did you run into from uh uh, sort of the red tape you know political standpoint importing exporting uh you know licensing and or or patents
3: yeah so it's not patentable the technology there's nothing inside of the technology that's patentable I think finding finding uh, various manufacturers so the first manufacturer I was working with a very large manufacturer and they do OEM for quite a few, like um, they manufacture for different brands inside of Europe, um, but they really only wanted to sell me, this their product. They didn't want to modify anything. Um, and then somewhere, maybe, well, quite a few months into this process, I had a business advisor out of uh, Las Vegas, and my initial idea was just to have sparkling water come out of the faucet. Um, but he um, showed me his under sink filtration system and everything um, would have to go through that filter and so we actually had to pivot to a different uh, the faucet would then have to be able to do um, just regular filtered water because he uses it for cooking um, and then um chilled uh still water as well so i had to sort of switch all my manufacturers up at this point which was quite uh challenging it it was really finding the manufacturers and um going through the sample process and getting the quality to where it needed to be like to north american standard i would say Mm. was uh, some of the big challenges and so It it was
2: pretty interesting uh what like donovan did let's face it, 99% of the work to get to this point. And um, it was interesting like watching him and listening to him in the house because of COVID where uh, everybody's working from home. And and so a trip that you might previously have gone overseas to go do mm-hmm. factory tours, it was very interesting watching um, the process of various factory tours from like your Zoom or, or uh Whatever video uh, video recording there was and uh, so it was just an interesting time to be going through this.
3: Yeah, normally I would have wanted to have gone directly to the factories and and you know seen the process and seen the quality and and instead it was a lot of uh, video calls and uh, tours around the factories with um, with their phones and making sure the quality was there.
1: Well, that's much to the chagrin of Erin because she would have loved to trip out to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so then, you know, when we talk about quality, when you talk about, you know, bringing, you know, the the product in, you know, what type of things do you need to look for in terms of being able to bring something that has, you know, European standards into Canadian standards, like, are there special certification processes, you know, um, are there things that you need to pass from an FDA? standpoint you know that sort of stuff well what type of things do you have to to kind of jump through to get something like that to market
3: so well for this particular product it requires a uh, an ETL listing um so to make sure it's you know electrically it's all safe the components aren't going to um, cause any damage or explode or anything like that so yeah making sure it was all ETL listed was critical for me and then you know, being a water product, there's um, uh, um, NSF, like a it's a a water um, standard. So making sure the products met that as well. Mm. So those are those were the two uh, key ones for uh, safety uh, for this particular product.
1: So when you went into this whole process, did you know that they existed, or did you have to find them out happenstance and go, oh, I need one of these? <laughs>
3: Uh, well, so I'm I'm in the industry, so I did know, uh, I'm quite familiar with ETL listings or I'm in the, uh, yeah, I'm in sort of this similar in, industry. So I know about ETL listings. So yeah, it's, it's something I was familiar with and I knew the process ahead of time.
1: Well, that must be so much easier than somebody who has this wild idea and decides to bring it into market, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then they bring it over and they get in trouble and then they got,
3: yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not, uh, that's all been done luckily ahead of time.
1: Mm, cool, cool. And so then, you know, now let's transition. So you have this product in hand. What are some of the hurdles that you've come across from a marketing standpoint? You know, where have you kind of like, you know, like, holy, I didn't expect that this would be this hard to get into a market or to tell people or to get people to even want to, to desire this project. Did you have any of those problems?
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think neither Aaron or I uh,
1: really do social
3: media. So we don't really, Aaron probably does more social media than me, uh, but marginally more. So we had no experience with social media at all. And that's really, that's where I brought in Picnic um, to, to work with me on, you know, building social media, working with Facebook ads um, setting up blogs, um, setting up, uh, videos, like, um, uh, advertising videos. So, I mean, all of that was a hurdle for, for us. That was something that was way out of what I do on a regular basis. And I think bringing somebody on board, like picnic has been really, really helpful.
2: You know, we also had a bit of a funny, very last minute, uh, uh, marketing pivot we had to do with our, uh, our name too. Oh, <laughs> because we didn't want to get sued.
3: Yeah. So we initially, I think, well, we, we went through a bunch of different names. I think it, um, anyways, the, the last, uh, the, the previous name we had, uh, when I went to go trade it, um, we found out that, uh, yeah, SodaStream had that trademarked. And so we had to, you know, Again, come up with a whole new name last minute. It, it, that was quite challenging because we've sort of been building on this brand and this image and everything. And then all of a sudden we have to change the name. So
2: I gotta say though, I'm pretty happy with uh Celta. Like I do feel it. I'm I'm happier we landed there. Yeah. I think it fits our company um and who we are a lot better. So
1: yeah. So you know things happen for a reason. You yeah. Know, t- t- You know, I don't know if everybody who's listening knows much about a trademark process, but, you know, can you walk me through, you know, some of the things that uh, you had to go through? Like, trademarking is a very cost prohibitive um, sort of realm to dive into for a lot of small businesses, even though they have, you know, intellectual property that should actually be protected. the, the, The cost and the time frame of which patents and trademarks must go through is a at best, I think.
3: So I ended up using a company called heirloom. It's like an online trademark. And I think it was pretty reasonable. It was in the hundreds of dollars world, not thousands. Um, And they really, actually, they were really good. They put together um, a list of, you know, the the challenges with the name, like where where you might get in trouble. And it was actually interesting. It was actually, I actually was able to use that list um, to see some competitors or some previous companies that existed that were in the same sort of space. So the list was actually quite useful from a business perspective as well. Um, I think there was some miscommunications with them initially about the uh, level of, Uh, concern about uh, SodaStream and we actually did apply for a trademark with that uh, initial name and then it was halfway through or so that I ended up talking to a a lawyer that heirloom set me up with in in, um, the U.S. and he said it's just not worth it. I mean you could you know even if you get the trademark um, you know they it's possible that SodaStream will come and You know take you to court or cease and the the best case would be a cease and desist but then you still had to change your name late in the process so i think we made the executive decision at that point to, to uh change the name
1: oh and that's such a smart business move i mean i think if you're in that position to try to go up against somebody with probably deeper pockets than you is not a great idea because they're just going <laughs> to lock you and drain you for what it's worth. I mean, that's that's how they do it, right? I mean, they, they're just going to milk you until you can't can't function anymore. And then you just lose the game. Uh, and so it's really smart that you decide not to decide to go up, you know, and 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 try to uh, tackle Goliath uh in, in that sense. Yeah. But instead, you know, use that as the universe telling you, like, you probably should do something better uh, and, and move in a different direction. So kudos to you guys.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the only reason we even gave it a second thought is because it was a very distant connection. Um, But even then it was like, it just doesn't matter. The fact that there could be a connection made to what one of the, one of the names they had trademarked and what we had come up with, it was like, forget it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and move on. yeah. And you also, you also avoid yourself a different bomb, right? Because let's just say you guys start to do well. And let's just say they don't necessarily come after you. Um, but what ends up happening is is if if the name is tied to Sodastream in whatever distant you know you know shape or form it could actually be to your detriment because then people might think and view you as your own competitor. Uh, in which case, then you, you'd start to lose market share because you know they, they wouldn't tell you apart from a SodaStream, um, and 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 that can be disastrous too. So you know, yeah, it's it's a great pivot, great move. I think that you guys are smart in 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 taking that uh, that cue from the universe to to move on to something else. Cool, cool. And so you know, tell me about markets. Where are you looking to push this? Where you know. What challenges are you coming are you going cross borders you know into the us or it's just uh, in canada um you know what what's sort of the plan and and you know what type of things have you realized that there might be you know obstacles that you've come up with
3: yeah so at this stage we are just planning to launch in the canadian market um i think i'd prefer you know we're still early days i think the the rationale is you know, um, if it's local, preferably BC, then I can support the product more closely and, and get feedback. Um, is is really the rationale behind that. Um, and then, you know, the intent is to to go into the U.S. I think the challenges, and again, I can um, speak to some, maybe some of your other listeners, the challenges around fulfillment centers, finding good fulfillment centers. Um, this is a little bit of a unique product too. Maybe a, a higher value, heavier product. There's not every fulfillment centers uh, will work with me on that. You know, a lot of the fulfillment centers are looking for light, uh, little widgets that you know are a thousand units a month or something like that, or five thousand units a month. Um, so there are, you know, trying to find the fulfillment center, I, I still haven't actually found a, a fulfillment center in the US to work with.
1: So you're currently doing what Jeff Bezos did with all the books is hang out in the garage, put them all in there. Oh, yeah. That's okay. <laughs> you know, you, you look at them now, and you guys would be right there, right there with them.
2: My, uh, my car used to be in my garage.
1: <laughs> used to. Now, now your car also carries, carries stock and in inventory too, in, in addition to the garage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you had to bring over these products, did you have to have minimum orders? Like, you know, are, is there a minimum quantity that you had to bring in or like, you know, are, how do you scale a model like that? Um, you know, I know people, when, when you're buying product overseas to drop ship and put into fulfillment, center, like Amazon, you know, you buy them in a pallet or whatever. Um, But when you're creating something from scratch or at least bring or assembling the components at minimum, if if you're doing that in Canada and not having a prepackaged piece come to you, you know, how do quantities work and, you know, what type of unfavorable, you know, sort of price points does that put you in because of such a, you know, of a venture?
3: Yeah, so... The short, I guess the short answer there is the minimum quantities I think are always negotiable. I think there's a request for minimum quantities. And then, you know, as, as you're working with the suppliers, I've actually found them to be uh, quite flexible. I think the initial manufacturer I was working with was, yeah, it was a, I forget what they wanted. It was, it was, it was a significant hundreds or, or many hundreds of units, which was a you know, and a lot of money to put on the table and a lot of um, but yeah, the suppliers base. I'm working with right now have been really great about um, not having too many minimum order quantities or it's, it's a, it's a, it's a reasonable minimum order quantity.
1: It's scalable. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. That's good. That's good to know. Uh, I mean, you know, heaven forbid you had to have hundreds and hundreds of you know units come in. I mean, forget the garage. You'd have to have the living room and, and Hunter would have no place to sleep. You would have to get rid yeah. of the crib and build cribs out of out of boxes.
2: Yeah. And I do have to say, I think that that is uh, like Donovan, uh, one of his uh, strong strengths is really, he doesn't hear an answer and maybe hear a similar answer and a similar answer and say, okay, that's how it is. He just keeps finding answers until he finds one more aligned with what his vision is. And, uh, and that's, that's what he did. Like there's so many aspects of this where he has just continued to learn and work and try new things, uh, so that it is possible for us to start up a new business, um, without, you know, possibly putting up our home or something like that.
3: I think what Aaron just said there is actually really key. Um, you know, learning to uh, look what you're you know figuring out what you're looking for in a manufacturer and a manufacturer that can work with you because we like i said we did go through quite a different um, few manufacturers and not everybody was willing to work with you and be as flexible um, but and then in that case that's what i was looking for because i had a vision and a product but if you're looking to you know um this original manufacturer i think they're factory capacity was 20,000 a month right something it was it was huge I mean they were a huge huge factory Um, the factory I'm working with now is 600 a month I mean it's a boutique they were really willing to work with me and and um, you know redesign the product and design the product the way I wanted it
1: fantastic and you know, I, I'm guessing because you're the engineer, uh, you didn't have to have a design team help you out. You you managed to do most of that on your own, or did you? Did you have to rely on you know like like CAD art- architects and you know actual actual physical uh, designers to to do the prototyping for you, um, or did you just you handled everything lock, stock, and barrel until you got a working product?
3: Um they a lot of the product was already designed so i would say it wasn't it was more tweaking the product that they had existing Mm. um for what i believe the north american market wanted so and it was more yeah working with them they would ship me out a sample we would test it out Um, i would make comments they would ship me another sample i would test it out so it was it was quite it was more of a iterative process uh, of samples than a lot of detailed design, I would say.
1: Mm, Okay. And how long was that process, you know, from, from first sample all the way to, to an approved product? Is that like months, days, years? Well, we've been, so officially I would say
3: this
2: project's been a year. I would say, yeah, about, I would say from probably the first like install we did in our own house, and all of the ones that followed every couple of weeks, something new, something new, something new. Uh, yeah. It feels like it's about a year and maybe we landed on where we're at now for what, quite a few months now. Yeah. Three months, maybe.
3: Cool. You know, one of the things I'll say was, you know, surprisingly <laughs> one of the biggest challenges and I I've overcome it now, but doing the installation manual and the graphic design and, and getting that to a, again, a, a North American level of quality was incredibly challenging. I, I don't imagine. know why it was, but f- trying to find somebody that could uh, work with me and, and produce the manual the way, again, I had a vision of making it really easy and simple. Uh, it was very challenging.
1: Hmm. Well, that's good to know. I mean, I don't think uh, people, people often think about what that, what that must entail to just design the manual uh, and and just thinking about the product until they get to the product, and they go, "Oh my god!" <laughs> You're like, "I have to do this. I forgot. I forgot. I have to tell people how to do it." Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
3: So again, I, again, maybe I, again, I can share with my listeners or your listeners is I used Upwork um, quite a bit through this process, uh, successfully and unsuccessful and very unsuccessfully. Um, so I mean, I I, I ended up. One of my initial um uh i'd I sort of had this vision of doing a whiteboard video of the installation process and i hired this particular gentleman and it just massive miscommunications and did not look anything like it at all right so um i think again it's once i've found the right person it's just so easy Um, And I think you've got to sort of trust your gut when you're working with somebody and go, okay, this is not working. It's not the right person and know when to say, okay, I'm moving on.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's important. I mean, in that type of marketplace, Upwork, you know, for those who are listening, Upwork is like Fiverr. And I I use Fiverr only because uh, Fiverr is sort of the more common name around the household in terms of marketing and, and business. So, you know, Fiverr is a place where you go and you, you know, hire freelance contractors to go and do those things. So, you know, what Donovan is talking about is really using Upwork to find these freelancers to help do it. It's still buyer beware. And, and just because they're cheap, sometimes they come cheap for a price and for a reason. Uh, and then sometimes you find real gems and sometimes you find people who charge in the, a, a, a god-awful amount for what they do and what their product and, and final endpoints, it doesn't, it doesn't have that value. So, you know, if you guys are using third-party, you know, uh, people, it is really do your own due diligence and, you know, don't stop at the first person. Don't stop because it was convenient you found somebody because that could bite you in the butt later on, you know, and, and I share with you that is um, our production company. We use Upwork from time to time. Uh, and and again, it was hit and miss. And we had to be really diligent about finding those type of people to, to be on board. So yeah. Mm-hmm yeah well thank you so much for sharing your journey with us uh, and and kind of sharing you know what that looked like in terms of trying to bring a mar- product to market and and taking what exists in the marketplace but then to tool it and make it your own uh, and then sharing with our our listeners you know uh, everything from from the the trademarking process all the way to uh, storing it in your garage and finding fulfillment centers uh, one of the things I'd like to ask my Uh, guests every week uh, when they come onto the podcast is what is a book or a resource that has deeply impacted your career? Now predicate this. I I gave, I gave Donovan and Aaron a few minutes uh, prior to uh, us getting onto the air. So Aaron's had some time. I know Donovan Donovan's been prepared and he's been waiting. So, you know, Aaron, you're not going to get away, but you're going to have to start thinking about it now because Donovan, I'll let you go first. And you're going to buy Aaron a few few more seconds of time while she goes and, and, and racks her brain for a book
2: oh man yeah speak really slowly honey
1: i'll speak really
3: slowly so one thing um justin something about me is i i train a lot um you know i do ironman i'm signed up for ironman world championships next year uh part of my training regimen is i i actually do a lot of uh, audio podcasts and audio books so i'm voracious uh reader but i would say what really got my journey going was actually Guy Ross, um, how I built this, his podcast was like, it, and it, you know, and again, I don't, you, you probably listened to it. It's not all, you know, all the good stuff. I mean, it's, it's raw. I mean, the, you get to hear, you know, the bad stuff too. And what, but what, what it really left me with was, oh, this is possible and it can be fun and it can be, um, mm, it could be it could be an amazing outcome so that's sort of really what got me on this journey of of seltzer was was guy ross and listening to the podcast while i was running really got my creative juices flowing um so that would be my most influential uh recent i guess podcast anyways
1: it's awesome because you know you put that that whole combination together you know putting blood through your your brain and know running and then and then feeding it information all at the same time i mean how i built this is such a really great podcast and again you know people who are listening this is this is a fantastic um segue to that that podcast that podcast um shares with you the lock stock and barrel of how people built it and you know it's you know we always see successes right success is always greener on the other side everybody goes oh you know they, they 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 came into it you know easily overnight and it's easy to be a 20-year overnight success um you know, and and <laughs> yeah. that podcast really does show you um that that there's a lot more behind the scenes that people don't see and you know uh, the the people who are internet trolls like to uh, like to attack people but uh, they don't they don't get to see what what really goes on in the world of entrepreneurship sometimes um, so, Erin, we bought you some time. Have you thought of when? Did you see? It
2: didn't really help the extra time. I gotta <laughs> say. So, new mom here doesn't do a lot of reading these days. Um, you know. So I, I have to say that there is something that when you at, when you ask the question, something came to mind, and it's not exactly. Um, Uh, A resource, but it's just this quote that has always stuck with me. And it's uh, approach situations with curiosity, not judgment. And so when Donovan first talked about, you know, wanting to do a startup and wanting it to be, you know, family run startup, it was definitely a moment for me where I just felt like everything tightened in me and anxiety came up you know we have a new baby we have all these responsibilities uh like what is this going to cost failure rates are so high with businesses and so a lot of this stuff just coming from kind of who I am and how I uh became to be and uh I'm not um I'm quite risk averse as a um as a human and so thinking back to that quote of approaching situations with curiosity and not judgment, I had to put all the judgment aside and everything I wanted to like put on Donovan for suggesting this. And instead I was like, well, tell me about it. And, uh, and I listened and we worked through a lot and we talked about a lot of ways that we could do this in a way that, you know, kept me comfortable. Uh, in terms of like my concerns. And uh, so I just have to say like that n- n- not a resource, not a book, but definitely something that stuck with me through this process.
1: That's a good philosophy. I think uh, you know, startups can make or break marriages. Um, uh,
2: yeah,
1: easily. Uh, and and I think a lot of that is because it's tied to finance. um and and you know, it's good for you that you were able to work those things out because I think, as a relationship, and, you know, working together in that capacity strengthens your bond uh, as as a couple, right? And you know, being able to work through those and and be okay to communicate uh, that, I think is 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 tremendous, and and will lay much stronger foundations for what's to come, to you guys. So kudos to you for for having that. So good, good, good save, good save, Aaron.
2: <laughs> yeah, thanks.
1: So if anybody wants to learn a little bit more about uh, Salsa tap, where are they going to go?
3: a website, seltzatap.com. Salsa, it's right. probably the best place to
1: go. Awesome. And you know, for those people listening, as always, I'm going to put that in the description below. Donovan and Aaron, thank you so much for joining me here today. I hope you guys had a good time. I hope I asked you some good questions and kicked you on your toes. Yeah, it was excellent.
2: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thank
1: you. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Listeners, thank you for joining me again this year or this this week. And, um, you know, we'll see you guys all next week. And until then, be conscious and deliver excellence.
0: We want to thank you for listening to the Tactical Titans podcast produced by 360 Media. Your time is valuable, and we're deeply humbled that you are spending this time with us. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on Instagram at 360photo and at Tactical Program. You can also email us. We want to make this channel great, something you enjoy, and find tons of value. Send us your insights to info at 360photo.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us reach more listeners. As always, tune in next week as we help you become titans of business and marketing.